0: Welcome to Crime
1: Colts and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Brynn. And I am fucking freezing tonight.
0: Me too. I have a blanket completely wrapped around me right now. And (laughs) all day at work, I had a little space heater on because I just could not get warm today.
1: I know. I don't know what it is. I have my hood up. I don't wear my hood, like ever. (laughs) And I'm like snuggled in my bed. I have one of those heated neck pad thingies on. I'm like, what is wrong with me?
0: Yeah, I feel you. It's just super, super chilly
1: to the bone tonight for some reason, or today for some reason. But it's kind of not that cold outside, which is really weird. I'm, like, worried that we're going to get, like, this crazy snowstorm in the next month or two because we haven't gotten anything yet.
0: Yeah, probably next week when Timo's away. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, that'll probably happen. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, let's
0: hope. Oh, so it's new. Nothing. I don't think I have any new recommendations. Timo and I have been watching The Wilds. I've been watching it again because I got him into it. Yeah. And then aside from that, just Ginny and Georgia, which I have had on pause for a couple days now.
1: Yeah. And Grey's
0: Anatomy. That's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, I've just been watching Ginny and Georgia, which I've also put on pause for a little bit. I have really bad heartburn and I don't get heartburn. So (laughs) if you hear me like pausing to breathe, that's why. (laughs) Pausing to barf burp. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, (laughs) this has never happened before. And I think that's what it is. But it hurts a lot. That's pretty much it. I don't think I have anything new either. Do we want to get right into our
0: coffee reviews? Or is there anything else we want to talk about?
1: Why don't we jump into coffee? And then if we think of anything, we can just circle back. Okay. Do you want to start with yours? Sure. So I basically waited too long to get more coffee at my apartment. And I ordered a huge box, one of those like 32k cup boxes from Amazon. Mm -hmm. And it's from the donut shop. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go with dark roast this time, because I've been liking the dark roast.
0: Mm -hmm. It
1: was a bad decision. Is it disgusting? Yes, and now I have 32 dark roasts and I've been like choking it down every morning. Oh no, add so much hazelnut creamer to that. I have to. It's very bitter. It's very strong for a K-cup coffee. I've never, I mean, if you like bold this is definitely your coffee. I don't know. I do. I just don't like the bitterness of it. And I feel like it almost hurts your stomach. That's how bold it is. Oh, very acidic. Yeah, exactly. Have you tried using
0: some kind of cold foam with it making a cold foam?
1: I haven't. But maybe I will.
0: Because that I feel might help. I feel like even with if I get a cold brew that's a little on the bitter side, if I get a cold foam on top and mm-hmm. let it kind of seep in a little bit before drinking it, I feel it helps a little bit.
1: Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. I've just been chugging it as my morning caffeine and then I'm like, all right, not, not <laughs> no. until tomorrow morning. <laughs>
0: Oh no, so I'm assuming this is a low coffee bean reading.
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to give it a two. I mean, if your taste buds can handle it, go for it. But I wouldn't buy this one. I would get the regular. The regular is really good.
0: Typically, we like the dark roast stronger coffee, though, nowadays. I know,
1: that's why I was like, I'm going to try it. Hmm.
0: Well, I have a little bit of a brighter note with what I got.
1: Thank God. (laughs)
0: So, I stopped today at Milford's Daily Grind, and they had sent us coffee in a past episode, and they were absolutely delicious, and we made a point to say we would stop in there at some point. Well, today, I used their cute little drive through They're located in Milford, PA, and the reason I stopped there, I'm not going to lie, is because I saw a picture they posted one day ago on their Instagram. And I commented on it and everything because it looked so fucking good. And it is a peanut butter cup frappe. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, I have to stop in there and try this. So I went there today, got one, and it's absolutely delicious.
1: Dude, anything with peanut butter and coffee sold. You don't even need to say it twice.
0: And this one, it's kind of like you taste, you taste the peanut butter, but it's not artificial tasting. Dumb. like you taste a hint of that peanut butter and then there's chocolate syrup swirled into it and it's so good and I got it with oat milk and my only downfall to this which was probably my fault I asked for no whipped cream because I don't like whipped cream mm-hmm. and I I think because I asked for no whipped cream. In the picture, they put Reese's peanut butter cups on top of it. Oh, no. And I didn't, didn't get, get any. Oh. <laughs> and I was so sad, but I didn't want to say anything because the girls working were so nice. And I didn't really notice till I started to pull out of the drive-thru I was like oh I probably didn't get that because I didn't get whipped cream
1: you could have like circled back around and been like hey
0: <laughs> I want my peanut butter cup do <laughs>
1: you mind if you just put it in a little bowl on the side
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just love the taste of this I think that again it's my fault for being a downside is the frappe of it it's great, but I'm just not used to drinking frappes anymore. Like I don't usually order those. So I feel like the peanut butter cup as a latte or as an iced coffee, I would have enjoyed a lot more just because of how I drink coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would rate this probably an 8, 8. 8.5. And if it was a iced latte or iced coffee version, I probably would have rated it nine or or even a little higher oh damn yeah it is good (laughs) (laughs) it is really good and like you could tell the coffee they put in it because there's espresso in it as well Mm -hmm. it's just good coffee yum yeah and for anyone who wants to check them out on instagram and see the little picture of what i drank and i will repost their picture of it their instagram handle is milford's daily grind okay cool yeah we'll have to go there sometime together Kels I
1: know I really want to
0: and they had posted January 4th and I was really sad because I saw this too little too late it said last call for the almond roca frappe and I would have loved that
1: yum oh my god yeah
0: they have a lot of good flavorings
1: on their menu like seasonal things cool I'll have to go I just want to apologize in advance if you can hear my asshole teenage neighbors upstairs. I swear to God, there's two teenage boys that must share a bedroom that that's right above my bedroom, and at around five thirty-six every night, they jump on their video game and they scream, "Oh my god!" and through through the entire night. You should um, go
0: up there and have them sign a permission slip. Right. And be like, I give you permission for my voice to be on the background of a podcast.
1: Yeah, for real. And they're pounding feet because they're jumping off of things. I last night was so mad that I yelled. I screamed, shut the fuck up. Oh, my God. And and they stopped. Oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. Did they actually hear me? They're literally tap dancing. I don't know what the fuck they're doing up there right now. But yeah, they're really fucking annoying. Another side note, I was gonna announce this a couple weeks ago and I keep forgetting, so I'm gonna put it out there now. I'm pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And I wanted to say it because my husband, Carson, was like, you know what? They're gonna get payback whenever we have a screaming newborn (laughs) below them. (laughs) So he's like, don't complain right now, because then they'll complain about our baby. (laughs) Oh my God. But yeah, I'm super excited. I've known for a little while now and it's time to tell the Crime, Cult and Coffee fam.
0: Congratulations, Kels. And I'm so excited yeah. to add to my resume of
1: aunt. I know, I know. <laughs> you're you're going to be the best aunt along with my sisters and sister-in-law, Sarah. I'm just super excited about it. Very excited for you, Carson. And that's why I have heartburn. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. For real, I've never had heartburn in my entire life. Maybe the little babe has lots of hair already. I said that to Carson. He goes, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? I was was like, it's like a thing that people say. And he was like, I've never heard of that. (laughs)
0: Well, also coming full circle, I just had a random thought. Remember when you and Carson were living in Pittsburgh and you used to hear that lady underneath you screaming?
1: Yes. That's probably
0: what those kids are hearing now. And they're like, listen to the crazy lady underneath us.
1: Talking to herself in her bedroom.
0: (laughs) Screaming, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up.
1: They, were, they did, too. They, like, stopped and they stopped moving. They were probably like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Blame it on the hormones. Right? I know. You can't yell at a pregnant lady. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, shall we get into today's episode?
1: Let's do it.
0: So, grab your coffee and have a morning with us.
1: Surprise! We're doing another Haunted Places episode. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah, since October. Yeah, I feel like it was not that long until you mentioned it. And I was like, holy shit, that's what we're doing. And as always, I research too, Bryn researches too. We don't know about each other's until we talk about it right now. I'm going to say I did peek at yours just to be sure that we didn't have the same ones. Yeah. And of course, we are on the same fucking page. Why? Because my first case is in Ireland. Oh, my God. So is yours. I was like, what? I skimmed through yours, and I was like, holy shit.
0: Why does this happen?
1: I don't know, but it really freaks me out. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: <laughs> I'm actually freaked out right now because that's, when I found this one, I was like, oh, my God, this is interesting. Have never covered at something in Ireland before.
1: Same. And I was like, I'm going to expand my search out of the United States. <laughs> you want to start? Yeah, I can start. Okay. So my first one is it has a bunch of different names. So I'm going to kind of mention all of them throughout the case. But it's most well known as the Montpellier Hill and Kalaki Stewart's House. I really hope I'm saying that right. It took me about 25 minutes to find a video of one man quickly saying the names. And that's the only thing I could find. Okay. And uh, a little bit of background, like I said, it's located in Dublin, Ireland. And the first one I'm going to be talking about is the Montpelier Hill. And that's basically what this case is about. And the other one comes into play later. So it's an old building that was believed to be one of the first Freemason lodges in Ireland. That's just kind of like a little side note.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. It is a hunting lodge that was built around 1725 by William Conley, and he was the speaker of the Irish House of Commons at the time. Locally, the building and the hill it stands on are known as the Brass Castle. Before the building was constructed, there was a cairn on top of the hill, and you might be wondering what the hell's a cairn because I did too. I know what it is. Do you really? Yeah. Of course you do. <laughs> well, for everyone else, it's a man-made pile of stones that typically is made for a purpose, like to locate a grave. Is that what you thought it was? Yeah. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I randomly watch like ancient aliens and stuff and I think that's where I've heard that term before.
1: Yeah. So basically to construct this building, they took stones from these cairns that were on top of the hill. Which, of course, we know is a bad idea because that's marking somebody's grave. Allegedly, stones were taken, like I'd mentioned, from the Cairn to construct the lodge. And shortly after it was built, wind from, they said, like a really big storm blew off the roof of the building. And people attributed that to the devil's work, saying it was punishment for interfering with the Cairns. Ooh. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. William Conley, the guy who built the place, died in 1729, and his family then lent the lodge to a club. And this club was referred to as the Hellfire Club. Ooh! What? I know, right? <laughs> Wait, what? You're thinking of Stranger Things, right? Yeah. There's no association. I looked it up. I was like, there's has got to be where they got the inspiration from, but... Basically, Hellfire Clubs as a whole originated in Ireland, and they were just clubs for, like, elite people. Okay. So I don't know why Stranger Things used it. I didn't dive into that too much, but it's not – there's no relation. <laughs> oh, man. So the the hike that you can go on to get to this mountain, to the top of the mountain, is called the Hellfire Club Hike. So it's also known as that. And this club was founded by Richard Parsons. The club was for members of quality, like I'd mentioned, like those that were in politics or high culture. Members of the club were active between 1735 and 1741. And they used this lodge as a meeting place. They used it for occult practices and demonic manifestations. Wow, just build upon this belief of the devil being involved. Oh, yeah, it gets worse. Oh, no. So really immoral acts were committed here, like sacrifices, murders, orgies, etc. The motto of the club was, quote, do what thou wilt. So like, do whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) (laughs) The lodge was damaged by a fire and they were forced to meet elsewhere. I'll talk a little bit more about this fire later. This is where it kind of switches over from the Hellfire Club and it changes locations from the lodge to a different building. But before I get into that, I'm going to talk about one of the stories. So one night, a visitor entered the doors. And this is, like, one of the most famous stories of this lodge. And this is when it was the Hellfire Club. And basically, someone dropped something on the ground. They think it was, like, maybe a playing card because they usually played cards. Mm -hmm. And when he bent down to pick it up, he looked under the table and saw that this stranger had hooves instead of feet and then apparently this stranger disappeared into flames so they all said that this was like the devil visiting krampus yes krampus (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: and they were playing cards like dungeons and dragons from stranger things yeah so
1: basically it's all the same thing
0: (laughs) i wonder if the
1: duffer brothers use this as info. I was wondering, like, I looked into it and it said there was n- no relation. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't dig too far, but it didn't say there was, like, relation to it. Wow. So, yeah, they said that basically that was, like, a visit from the devil. And that's kind of what this club wanted. They wanted the devil to come. One night at the club during a black mass and sacrifice, the lodge had caught on fire and several members were killed. And that's basically why they had to relocate. Wow. So when they relocated, that's when they moved to the Killikey Stewards' House, which was really close to the lodge. It was like down the hill, but that's where they moved. And at this point, the activities of the club kind of died down until 1771 when Thomas or Buck Whaley revamped the group. The new name of the group was, quote, the Holy Fathers, and this went on for another 30 years. During this club, the there was said to be murders, eating of a local farmer's daughter. Oh my god. Just like horrible things, the opposite of Holy Fathers.
0: Yeah. Why, yeah, why would they name it the Holy Fathers unless they literally just believed that of themselves even though they were doing horrific things?
1: I think it was they literally believed that because they were like this elite group of men, so they said. uh The club ended when Whaley died in 1800. So that's kind of the background of everything and why this place would be so haunted because it was just a shit show back then. On to the hauntings. Lots of dark energy. Yeah, exactly. Both locations are said to be haunted. And there's a black cat with burning red eyes that is said to haunt the steward's house. So this story goes that the, a priest at some point exercised the cat during a sacrifice and now it stays in the area and is super restless. So lots of people have said that they have seen this cat. Another story, and like these, these stories, of course, there's going to be different variations because they're legends. But another story says that a member poured whiskey on this black cat and then set it on fire until it died. And that's why no. they is haunted. No! I know. I hope that one's not true. But, I mean, I hope neither of them are true. Oh, my God. Yeah. In the 1960s, workers were renovating a nearby location. And they said they started seeing the demonic black cat. One man said that at one point, the locked door that he was, like, working near swung open and then there was all of a sudden this black cat with red eyes staring at him oh my gosh the yule cat yeah exactly (laughs) so many things basically this cat became like a big thing and a portrait was done of the cat and it was hung above the dining room table in the steward's house for years and i'll post a picture of this cat it's kind of cute it doesn't really look demonic There have also been sightings of a Native American and two nuns known as Blessed Margaret and Holy Mary seen at the lodge. They're thought to be part of like the black masses that happened in Montpellier Hill. In 1971, a plumber working on the steward's house dug up a skeleton that was really small and it appeared to be that it was from a little person that was sacrificed years ago (gasps) by the members. Oh my gosh, that is horrifying. I know. Like, no fucking wonder this place is haunted. They were horrible people. Yeah. Wow. And
0: doing not only atrocious things, but the darkness and the demonic nature surrounding it is, like, amplifying
1: everything that they're just, they're doing. Yeah. They literally said that they were trying to build a place of worship for the devil to come. In the 1990s, the Steward's House was a restaurant for a short time, but then it closed in 2001. Thank God. I would not want to go there. No. Stewart's House is now a private residence, but Montpelier Lodge is uninhabited and can be visited. Like I had mentioned, you can take like a hike up to the top of this mountain to see the the uninhabited lodge, and it's really fucking creepy. You should look at it online. I'll post pictures. Yeah. Yeah. There's also been said people have heard strange sounds and smells coming from the ruins, especially at night. Dude, don't tell me it's like sulfur. I know. Could you imagine? And then just a little quick side note, a bunch of people in 2006 gathered there on 6-6-2006 to await the coming of the devil. And that's just kind of, I think, just circling it back to, like, the history. People were just, like, this is a meeting place. The devil was here at one point, according to the legends. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty disturbing. Yeah. So, not a fan. I don't want to go. That's, like, not the energy I want. <laughs> I don't want to meet the devil at any point. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, the top of the hill looking out onto Ireland looks Fucking amazing, but that's probably as far as I'll go.
0: Yeah, that the whole area, the vicinity surrounding it probably even has some negativity attached to it because I'm sure with how much they were amplifying all of that, it has to extend past that building a bit.
1: Right. Wow. Crazy. And that's the end of the Montpellier slash hellfire club. Oh well. I mean, you told it nicely, but
0: (laughs) But it's really scary.
1: I know, yeah. I'm definitely not one of those places I want to go to.
0: No, not at all.
1: All right, so
0: bouncing off of Kelsey, I'm also (laughs) going to be discussing a haunted place in Ireland. The place that I'm going to be talking about is called Leap Castle. A little bit of background, it's located in Cool Derry, County Afflee, Ireland, Some articles say Rousecry, Ireland. So I think those places are probably very close to each other or almost within the same area. You know what I mean? Right. Different accounts as to when the main tower was built. Accounts range from the 13th to the late 15th century, and it was most likely thought to be built in 2050 AD. It was possibly built by the O'Bannon clan, And the O'Bannons were secondary chieftains of the territory at the time. So they basically shared the land with another clan, but they were the secondary clan, if that makes sense. Yeah, The primary clan that ruled the area of land was the O'Carroll clan. However, the fertile land around the castle was associated with the O'Bannons. So I also read in some articles that the O'Bannons may have built this castle for the O'Carroll clan or for both of them to both live in. Okay. It was originally called the Leap of the O'Bannons, and there is an Irish pronunciation of it, but I really didn't want to butcher it. So the English translation is Leap of the O'Bannons. Adelaide's haunted horizon states quote this name came about from the legend that two O'Bannon brothers leapt from a rocky outcrop where the castle was to be built the survivor would get to rule the clan and build the castle and this is a quote from wiki quote there is evidence that it was constructed on the same site as another ancient stone structure perhaps ceremonial in nature And that that area has been occupied consistently since at least the Iron Age, 500 BCE, and possibly since Neolithic times. And that was basically saying that this castle might have been constructed on top of a really important structure.
1: Love that. That's why most things are haunted.
0: Yeah. It's also said that the Druids may have used it for ceremonial purposes, this other structure that it was built on top of. so that might also explain some happenings within this castle.
1: I feel like I'm back in elementary school history class with all these names. <laughs> the Neoliths, the yeah. the Druids.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in 1513, Gerald Fitzgerald, very, very intricate name. <laughs> the Earl of Colder tried to seize the castle and he was not successful with this. In 1516, he tried to take the castle again, and during this attack, he partially demolished portions of it. In 1557, the O'Carrolls had taken over the castle. And a little bit about the O'Carrolls, there was a lot of animosity and feuding within the family. Why did this happen? Take a guess. I don't know. Power, Kelsey, power. Power, duh. (laughs) This started after the death of Mulrooney O'Carroll in 1532. So because the lead member of the family died, they were then vying for that power and who would claim title as leader of the clan. That makes sense. Yeah, so the power struggle was mostly over that. One brother, Thaddeus, who was a priest, was holding mass for some of the family in the chapel, and his brother, Tighe, came into this mass and stabbed him with his sword. Thaddeus died in front of the family from his wound, and because of this, this chapel, which is part of the castle, is now called the Bloody Chapel.
1: Understandably, why?
0: And Tighe, who was the one who murdered his brother, was killed at some point by his cousin, here or Charles Carroll. So he eventually passes well from a member of his family. There were also a lot of other evil acts acted on by the O'Carrolls. They were not very nice people, if history stands true with these people. One story mentioned the McMahon family being invited for a feast to celebrate the defeat of a mutual enemy. So they were having them over to celebrate together and come together as equal winners of this feud. And during this feast, the McMahons were poisoned by the O'Carrolls. What's the
1: point of that? They were your ally.
0: Exactly. And the same thing happened to some of the O'Neill clan. In 1659, through marriage, the castle had passed to the hands of the Darby family. While Jonathan Charles Darby was living in the castle, his wife Mildred Darby would have seances. Uh, Mildred, yeah, and Mildred was also a Gothic novel writer, so she was a pretty cool lady. It was. I love Mildred. <laughs> Her seances brought publicity, and many people began talking about the ghosts of Leap Castle. Mm. In 1922, the castle was burned during the Irish Civil War, and one theory behind the motivation for the castle being burned was that rents had been raised and land around the castle was sold. This was done to pay for expansions that were made on the castle's central keep. So, they thought basically this was done because people were pissed off that money was being put towards making the castle bigger. And because of that, rents were raised and people were, like, losing land and losing other things.
1: Oh, so they set it on fire. Yeah, because they were pissed. Yeah.
0: So... The castle was also targeted by the IRA because the Darby family was English. The Darby family had to abandon the castle for their safety. September 1922, Darby was issued a reinstatement from Dublin surveyors Beckett and Medcalf. This was obviously for the fire and stuff that had happened and the destruction that happened to the castle. The net claim amount was 22,684 euros. And in 2018, this is equivalent to about 1 million euros. Wow. So that was the reinstatement that they wanted back from the destruction of their castle. However, it was eventually settled for a smaller amount, and I couldn't really find the disclosed amount online, so not sure about that. A side note, throughout the years, many people had been imprisoned and executed at Leap Castle. Oh, of course. Yeah, and in 1974, the castle was bought by Peter Bartlett, which was an Australian historian. Leap Castle was still destroyed at this point, and tons of restoration work was done by Bartlett and builder Joe Sullivan until Bartlett died in 1989. So he wasn't in the castle for very long. During renovations... Workers found a dungeon.
1: (gasps) What happened in the dungeon?
0: I will tell you what happened in the dungeon. (laughs) In the past, people had been locked away to die in this dungeon. And there were spikes at the bottom of the shaft. Oh, no. Three cartloads of human bones and a pocket watch from the mid-1800s were removed from this dungeon. I have the fucking chills. That's
1: horrible. Three cartloads. How many people is that? That's insane. That's disgusting. Oh my god. Yeah,
0: and they said that some of these human bones were like through the spikes. Oh no. it's horrifying. People speculated that these could have been deaths brought by the O'Carrolls and even after the O'Carrolls because of the watch. Because the watch was from the mid-1800s, and the O'Carrolls weren't in the castle then. Oh. Yeah, and this dungeon has since been covered up. Thank God. Yeah. In 1991, musician Sean Ryan and his wife Anne purchased the castle. They have continued restoration work on it and still own it today. Wow. Wow. And Leap Castle is known as one of the most haunted castles in the world. Understandably why. Yeah. So now I'm going to get into some ghosts and hauntings. And I'm sure there are more out there, but these are the main ghosts that people have seen in the castle. So the first one is known as It or The Elemental, and it's a rotting ghostly presence It's described as some kind of creature, and it's the size of a sheep. Ew. It smells like sulfur and or death, and has a decomposing face and black cavities for eyes. Oh my god, I don't want to see this sheep thing. It sounds really demonic. Ew. It's believed that that is there from whatever presence was there that the castle was built on top of mm-hmm. or that it's there as almost a protector of whatever ceremonies were going on or rituals were going on it's like the groundskeeper right or because of all the horrific things that happened or because of some people blaming on mildred's seances that she would have but i knew that
1: would come back to bite her
0: as it would back then But I feel like there's just a lot of theories going around with where this thing came from. It's just not, it's not human, whatever it is. Or it wasn't human, I should say. So then another ghost that's there is known as the Red Lady. And it's a ghost with a dagger in her hand. Sometimes she's seen raising it as if preparing to stab someone. Mm -hmm. Many people have seen her... And the Red Lady is said to be the ghost of a woman who was captured and raped by the O'Carrolls. Oh my god. And the story gets more horrifying. The story behind the Red Lady says that she got pregnant through this rape and that the O'Carrolls killed the baby. And she then killed herself. No. So I could totally see why if she has a dagger in her hand, she's angry with
1: it. I was going to say, I would raise a dagger to everybody that walked in that door.
0: Right. And who knows if this is like residual energy of hers and she's specifically wanting to do this towards the O'Carrolls. Again, they were just, they seemed like not nice people if what was said about them is 100% accurate. Other spirits that are seen are two little girls known as Emily and Charlotte. Huh. They have been seen and heard, and they usually play in the corridors of the castle and run up and down the stairs in the castle. Oh no, did something bad happen to them too? One of them, yeah. Emily has been seen falling from the battlements. Battlements are the upper wall of the castle where there's gaps for arrows or other weapons to go through. Oh my god. And the falling from the battlement is said to be a replay of Emily's death when she was 11. That's horrible. Yeah, and when people have seen her spirit, if she's seen falling, she disappears before hitting the ground. Another ghost that is seen within Leap Castle is Captain Darby. And legend says that he hid treasures around the property. And he was driven insane and forgot where he hid the treasures while he was still alive. And his ghost is said to roam the property looking for them.
1: Hey, we gotta find him and let it, tell him to let us know where his treasures are. I know.
0: Maybe we should visit Leap Castle with Laura and be like, talk to Captain Darby.
1: Right, like Captain Darby is the guy you need because he hid a lot of treasures. Let we go and it's like a handkerchief.
0: Yeah, but the only problem is, is he forgot where they are.
1: Yeah, maybe we could talk so his memory. Not,
0: he might not be too much help.
1: He's just pissed because he can't find it.
0: He's like, where did I drop that bottle of whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> that thing has aged so well.
1: <laughs> Worth <laughs> hundreds.
0: Here's some of a few haunting stories that have happened involving these specific spirits or just spirits around the castle. Mildred Darby again who was the séance queen had written about an experience that she had in 1909. She said that she was in the gallery and felt a hand on her shoulder and she turned around and saw
1: it. The creepy g- sheep thing? Yes. Ew.
0: Shadows are seen walking around in the priest's house. The priest's house has been vacant since 1922. And a quote-unquote burly man has also been seen pushing a heavy barrel up the stairs of the priest's house. And with people who have seen him, they said he got to the top and the barrel rolled down. And then the man and the barrel completely disappeared.
1: Oh my god, maybe it like crushed him or something.
0: I feel like it's residual yeah like I feel like this is something that happened that's just replaying for some reason
1: right that's what I mean like maybe when he was alive it like crushed him and he died
0: I hope not I
1: know so then there's the muckle hole
0: room also known as the murder hole room and in this room there's a blood stain on the floor and it's said to be from a man stabbed to death
1: by his brother oh my god how is that still there Yeah, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's
0: like red paint and they just reapply.
1: They were like, yeah, (laughs) they touch it up every year. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they're like, look, this is still here. (laughs) But within this story, it's not clear whether this was a separate situation from the stabbing of Thaddeus, who was the priest, or if this was the same situation but if it's the same situation, co- there's contradictions where the stabbing took place because, obviously, within the history of this castle, it said that the stabbing took place in the Bloody Chapel, not in the murder hole room, which is a separate room. Oh, okay. So, this might be a completely separate situation where another man was stabbed by his brother. I'm not really sure. It wasn't very clear. seemed to happen a lot then. Some have also seen the ghost of Thaddeus pacing the Bloody Chapel as well as rooms below the Bloody Chapel. Mm. So within modern media, Leap Castle has been visited. A lot of it's by paranormal experts. It was featured on ABC Family when it was called that because we know ABC Family changed its name a lot
1: yeah what is up with that
0: (laughs) i don't even know if it exists at this point (laughs) who knows
1: right is it like a thing anymore that's fucking crazy
0: abc family then freeform but while it was abc family it was featured on scariest places on earth it was featured on living tv's most haunted in season one also on sci-fi's ghost hunters In August 2014, Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures featured it on its 10th season Halloween special. There was a paranormal investigation of the castle on the YouTube channel Sam and Colby. And then it was also featured in books. Castle Ghosts of Ireland by Robert Hardy in 1996. And then it was on the cover of The Riders by Tim Winton. Mm. And a chapter titled The Tainted Well in the World of Lore Dreadful Places by Aaron Mankey. And he also has a podcast called Lore. The castle is featured on episode 68, The Tainted Well. And that's based upon the book, I'm assuming. Cool. Yeah, so if you want to see the castle, there are tours that can be pre-arranged, and you can contact Sean Ryan, who is the owner of the castle, to schedule this. And the one website provided an email for him, so I'm assuming that's where you contact him. It was Sean F. Ryan at outlook.com. Sean. So that's how
1: you can visit Leap Castle. Next time we come to Ireland, Sean, we'll be there, even though I've <laughs> <Yeah>. never done, <been. laughs>
0: Yeah, I just don't want to meet it.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I like spirit stories that are friendly, but, like, when you put in, like, things that are demonic, that were never human, like, I don't want anything to do with it. No, they can stay far away. Yeah. That was a good one. Thank you. my next one is called The Monte Cristo Homestead. Ooh. I didn't look at where your second one was, so I'll be really freaked out if it's the same <laughs> location. Oh, God, where is yours? This one is located in the town of Juni, which is in New South Wales, Australia. No,
0: mine's okay. not. <laughs> mine's in the United States.
1: Okay, all right, good.
0: <laughs> but I-, I guarantee you they have some crossover.
1: Right, probably. So this homestead was built by Christopher William Crowley in 1885. And it was originally built as a hotel when the railway opened in that town. So he was like, I'm going to make some money and open up a hotel where they just opened up a railroad. We already have a crossover, just saying. Amazing. So yeah, Chris, he was right. He became rich from opening up this hotel. He became basically one of the town's founders. Cool. Yeah. So the homestead is a two-story Victorian-style manor. It's beautiful. I'll have to post pictures of it, of course. I can't wait to see it. So pretty. Unfortunately, Christopher died December 14th of 1910 from heart failure and blood poisoning from a carbuncle that was on his neck, and it became infected. Aww. Basically, a carbuncle is like kind of like a boil. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Yeah, so it became infected and it got into his bloodstream and he died. His wife was so sad. She never left the house after he died. I think it said she left the house a total of two times for the rest of her life. Oh my god, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, and she spent most of her time in the attic, which had a chapel in it. Oh, I have the chills. Oh, I know. So sad. She died August 12th, 1933 at the age of 92 years old. Oh my gosh. I know, which is crazy for like the 1930s. Yeah, wow. And she actually died from a ruptured appendix, which is totally, like if she was alive, this time would have been fixable. Crazy. She lived a long life. The house was owned by the Crowley family until 1948, so, like, by, you know, descendants of them, and then it was basically empty until 1963. They tried to have people, like, kind of go into the house and check on it, but unfortunately, lots of the original furniture was stolen. No! I know, and it was, like, vandalized.
0: Motherfuckers, I hate when that happens.
1: I know, like, why would you do that to this? It's beautiful. I can't even imagine what the inside looked like back then. That's awful. Yeah, freaking assholes. So then, Reginald and Olive Ryan bought and restored it to its present condition. And it's now a museum with an antique showcase and is known as Australia's most haunted house. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I like so. you,
0: Reginald and Olive.
1: I know. So cute. They're, they sound like a cute couple. Reggie and Ol. Reggie and Ollie. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> On to the haunted stories and the spirits that stay around the house. When the Ryans bought the house, immediately, the first night they went there, they realized that their animals wouldn't go inside, and they even ran away from the house. Oh, no. So that's a that's your first red flag, the Ryans, that you have a haunted house. Olive Ryan says that she hears her name called out when no one was home, and at one point she felt a hand on her shoulder. Hmm, creepy. One night when the Ryans were approaching the home, all of, this was like when they first got it. All of the lights were on. There was like you could see light coming from inside the house. But when they opened the door, all the lights were off. That is so weird. Yeah. And just super eerie to walk up on that. I wonder if they saw them all shut off or if it was just they're on
0: and then they're just
1: off. Right. I know. It's just really creepy. So there are at least 10 spirits that haunt this house. The previous owners hated animals oh well there we go yeah so it's just really sad so one night the crawlies had a lot of animals one night when they came home the Crowleys, all of their chickens were strangled to death and their parrot was choked to death in its cage no so like clearly these spirits hated animals literally hated them
0: But even if the previous owners hated them, why do they have to be so malevolent and awful towards them? Just avoid the animals, and it's not your fucking house anymore.
1: I know. Get over it. You don't live there anymore. (laughs) Don't come after me. There was also a litter of kittens that were brutally killed in this house too. No. Home. Yeah.
0: Oh god. I can't even imagine
1: like walking into that scene.
0: I'm gonna throw up. Yeah. That's disgusting. I
1: just is okay. horrible.
0: I'm ne- I never want to go near this
1: house. Right? It's just bad energy. Christopher Crowley haunts the room that he died in. And his spirit is said to be very kind. I find that hard to believe Christopher. Probably not. Right? If
0: he's doing that to animals, he's not kind.
1: Chris is actually, he might be the good guy. Because his wife's spirit is said to be the complete opposite. She said to rule the house with an iron fist, and she judges everybody that enters the house. Basically, if she doesn't like you, she'll try to scare you with cold air, like a breeze of cold air on your skin. I'm, like, just picturing this woman standing at the top of the stairs with her arms crossed, just watching everybody walk in and being like, nope, I don't like their outfit. Ew. Judging
0: Anne hates animals. I want no part of her.
1: Me either. Christopher impregnated two of his maids, and one ended up committing suicide by jumping from the balcony in the house. Yeah, he's not kind. Her ghost haunts, or spirit I should say, haunts the veranda, and sometimes it's said that her bloodstain will show up where she landed. So, like, it's not there, like, a stain on the ground, but sometimes people have said that they've seen it, like, appear randomly. Wow. The second maid actually birthed a son and named him Harold. And when Harold was young, he was in a really bad accident. He was hit by a coach, but he survived. And unfortunately, he was really badly disabled from the head trauma. So he was kind of mentally disabled from this. Poor kid. Yeah. So he survived, but that's what happened. So... This is the worst fucking part. They kept him on chains in the coach room. Like, they kept him chained up.
0: Oh, my God. These people are absolutely horrific.
1: Horrible. What disgusting human beings. Like, they didn't know what to do with him, so they fucking chained him up in the coach room.
0: Oh, my God. That poor child. Oh,
1: my God. He would scream throughout the day, and children that lived nearby called him a monster when they passed by. Oh.
0: <sighs> Well, if they only knew why he was screaming that poor child.
1: I know. It's like um, the most horrific thing.
0: That I like honestly want to cry right
1: now. Yeah. Thankfully, eventually he was put into a system. Well, an asylum, which I, I don't know if at that time it was much better. But they put him in there because he was found chained to his mom's bed at one point. Wow. I fucking hate the crawlies. Same. He died later on at the asylum, but he still haunts the house today. The coach house is also haunted by a boy named Morris. One day he's... This, everything is just so sad. One day he slept in for a little because he didn't feel well. Basically, he was one of the workers in the coach house. Mm-hmm. But he was still a younger boy. His master didn't approve that he slept in. So he set his straw bed on fire, assuming it would, like, make Morris jump up out of bed and get to work. But he was too sick to move, so he died in his bed. Oh, my God. Yeah, and his screams are still said to be heard today. Horrible. Just horrific things that happened.
0: And why would you set someone's bed on fire to try to wake them up, you sadistic
1: fuck? Right. Why don't you just, like... Pour some water on him or something.
0: Or shake him and say, are you okay? Right. Oh, my God. I feel so
1: sorry for these children. Horrible. Crowley's granddaughter, Ethel, died in 1917 as an infant when a nursemaid that was taking care of her dropped her on the stairs. (sighs) She claims that she was pushed by an unseen force, but no one at the time believed her. And children today that visit the museum get super upset and distraught when they go near the stairs. Oh my gosh, I just got complete chills. Yeah. Some people say they feel they're being pushed, and some say they feel an ice-cold little hand in theirs when they go up the stairs. Oh my god. Like this little infant's hand trying to hold your hand. Or babies. I know lights are said to go on and off guests have nausea and overwhelming sadness during the tours of course that says a
0: lot on its own about the energy in that house
1: yeah whispers and mists are felt and heard throughout the house orbs are seen literally everywhere And if this sounds like something you want to see, it's open for people to visit through tours, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. and Saturdays at 6 p.m. And you can also spend the night there. So I'm going to say a big nope to that one.
0: Yeah, I don't want to go there whatsoever. I know. The only possible reason I would want to go there is to comfort the spirits of those little children and tell them they can go in peace because that is just so fucking awful
1: what they went through. I was just going to say to help them, like, get out of that hell. Oh, my God. Horrible. Just the whole thing is so sad. So some shows that feature the house, a big country that was released in 1977, the travel show Getaway in 1992... Screen Test, which was a reality show in 2000. Ghost Hunters International in 2010. And a horror film, Muri House, in 2012. That's the story of the Monte Cristo homestead. And I never want to go. And it's horrifying. Uh,
0: it's just crazy how like your first one and this one had such dark energy surrounding it. Right. But the first one is more so demonic presence or entity and this one is literally the people who lived there previously were fucking demonic
1: yeah and the children that lived there were tortured oh my god just so much sadness in one house for real though
0: that is awful and no wonder it holds the energy it does right wow i wish that place could be cleansed somehow because i'm sure it's a beautiful property and just a beautiful home itself but
1: what was tied to it absolutely awful I know I wish those little spirits didn't have to hang out there anymore and they could just move on
0: oh god so the last haunted place that I will be covering is called Dock Street Theater a little bit of background about Dock Street Theater it's one of the oldest theaters in America February 12th, 1736, the original Dock Street Theater opened, and the opening performance was of the play The Recruiting Officer. This was the first building in America built to be used solely for theatrical performances, Hmm. which is a pretty cool fact. Flora also took place at the theater, which was the first opera performed in America. It's located in Charleston, South Carolina, in the historic French Quarter neighborhood in downtown Charleston, and it was on the corner of Church Street and Dock Street, now known as Queen Street. So in 1740, the original Dock Street Theater was destroyed by a fire, which is awful because it was only around for four years before it was destroyed. And this was believed to be by the Great Fire of 1740, but it's not 100% known if that fire actually caused it. The Great Fire of 1740 was a fire that destroyed a multitude of buildings in Charleston's French Quarter. The structure of the current Dock Street Theater was then built on the site as the Planters Hotel in 1809. So this is where I said we had a little crossover because this was first built as a hotel. Weird. (laughs) Charleston's famous Planter's Punch originated here. So for those who don't know what Planter's Punch is, because I sure didn't, (laughs) but apparently it's famous. What is it? It is Jamaican rum, fresh lime juice, and sugar cane juice. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. After the Civil War, the hotel was in disrepair, and a little fact that I'm going to insert here, there were some quote-unquote famous or just well-known people that either worked or performed or stayed at the Planters Hotel, and one of these people was actor Junius Brutus Booth. He Did some performances within the hotel when it was the Planters Hotel, not when it became the theater. But this actor, Junius Brutus Booth, was John Wilkes Booth's father. Oh, my gosh. Which is an interesting thing that he was involved in theater and then John Wilkes Booth killed President Lincoln in a theater.
1: In a theater, right. Wow, that's so weird. Isn't that odd? Yeah, that's really I weird. almost
0: wonder if some of that roots back to his childhood and being surrounded by the theater. Right. In a weird way, I don't know much about John Wilkes Booth, but I was like that is fucking weird. So, in 1935, at the height of the Great Depression, the hotel was converted into a theater with help from the Works Progress Administration. It was a $350,000 in 1935 money renovation wow and remember that was during the great depression so basically the works progress administration decided to convert this into a theater and revitalize this in order to provide people with work and then give people jobs once the theater opened so it was kind of a give some give back type of thing wow November 26, 1937, Dock Street Theater's second grand opening happened. And in 1973, it was put on the National Register of Historic Places. March 18, 2010, the theater had a third grand opening after a three-year renovation by the city of Charleston. So around 2007, it had closed for... A period of time as well in order to be renovated and this was a 19 million dollar renovation jesus yeah and they basically made it like did all the 21st century renovations needed for it like the sound system and whatnot and lights and all that so this theater is now owned and managed by the city of charleston and this is a quote from wiki Quote, Charleston Stage, which became the resident professional theater at the Dock Street Theater in 1978, produces over 120 performances each season and plays to more than 40,000 patrons annually. In addition, more than 15,000 South Carolina students enjoy special school day performances offered by Charleston Stage each year at the historic Dock Street Theater. Wow. Yeah, so they do a lot of performances there, and they give a lot back to the community, I feel. Very cool. So I'm not just talking about the history of this place. It is haunted. (laughs) (laughs) And this one is a little shorter than the last one, but I'll tell you what I could find. So some of the hauntings include guests seeing spirits walking around, shadows in the rafters, and apparitions appearing on stage. People have also said that they have seen the ghost of Junius Booth and who knows if it's actually him or another actor of the past, but some people think it's him. The only weird thing about that is unless he's just going back or if it's like, again, residual energy with him repeating a good point in his life or whatnot. He did not pass anywhere near or in the theater and he had some bad history connected to the theater. So I don't know why he would really want to go back there. Then there's a ghost of Nettie and there are claims that her name was Nettie Dickerson. Others say that locals gave her the name Nettie. So there's kind of contradiction there. Hmm. She's the most frequently seen ghost at the theater and If she is this Nettie Dickerson, this is the story behind her. So she lived in Charleston during the 1800s, and it's believed she arrived to the city of Charleston from the country in the early 1840s. She was 25 years old. She originally took a job as a clerk at St. Philip's Episcopal Church However, she felt she did not belong due to societal standards of the time and left her job, despite the priest of the church begging her to stay. So basically, at 25 years old, she was considered almost like a quote-unquote old hag back then for not being married. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a really sad situation. And she didn't come from wealth, so... She felt like she didn't belong, and because of that, yeah, left the church. From there, she was a sex worker at the Planters Hotel, so that's her connection with the Planters Hotel. According to legend and to what people have seen, she just wanders around aimlessly. She's also said to be seen on the second floor of the theater. Some say she was wearing a vibrant red tattered dress. The story says, quote, Nettie went out onto the second floor balcony of the planners while in her red dress and stayed out there despite the brewing storm. She began shouting out disparaging remarks against Charleston's high society even as the storm intensified. The priest who still cared for Nettie rushed out into the street and tried to reason with her. It is said that she then hollered down to him, you can't save me. And as fate would have it, a bolt of lightning struck Nettie dead. Oh my god. And that's a quote from Ghost City Tours. So that is why people say her spirit still walks around this hotel and why she's in a red tattered dress. And if you're interested in visiting the theater, you can check out their website for visiting and production info. And it's charlestonstage.com and we will make sure to include that in our resources on our Facebook page. Yeah, wow. And that's that. That's the haunting of the Dock Street Theater. Very cool. Thank you. You're welcome. That was fun. That was fun. I love doing the Haunted Places
1: episodes. (laughs) Me too. Let us know what you guys think about Haunted Places. Do you like them? Do you hate them? Do you want more?
0: Plus, Give us some suggestions regarding Haunted Places. I don't think we really have ever gotten those, except for, it's funny, because we got two suggestions for Haunted Places after we had already covered them, and the people didn't realize we covered
1: them. Oh, yeah.
0: Because that happened again this week. It happened once with The Watcher, mm-hmm. and then it happened again this week with The Crescent Hotel, and I was like, we did that one.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah that's funny let us know what haunted place you want covered we're just finding random ones that sound crazy to us so let us know Mhm. and do we have anything else we want to add or should we get into our spiel i'm good if you're good
0: yeah i think i'm good i don't i can't think of anything else i want to say
1: Awesome. So you can find us on Facebook at Crime, Cults and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources and photos from every episode. There's also like contact information if we ever mention it in the episode. Also, you can find us at Crime, Cults and Coffee on Instagram. And that's where we post photos of the coffee we reviewed, episode photos. And also the link tree in our bio shows all of the listening platforms that we are available on.
0: If you have a listener story or a case suggestion or a haunted place suggestion, mm-hmm. you can email us at crimecoltsandcoffee@gmail.com at gmail.com or DM us at crimecoltsandcoffee on Instagram. Also, if you would be so kind to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or any listening platform that allows you to do so, we would appreciate it. Send a screenshot, we'll send you free stickers. And then if you don't have that option, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe on any listening platform of your choice. That will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And, without, and that's that. Without further ado, I think that's it. Yeah, don't build any houses on top of ritual grounds. That's the number one rule. Don't worship evil things.
1: number two rule
0: and stay safe out there
1: (laughs) bye guys see you next week
0: bye